Okay. So today we're looking at Batman number eighteen, the August September issue from nineteen forty three, published in June or July of nineteen forty three. And we're looking at the third comic within that issue. On the cover, we have a giant green truck. It's very long, but not very tall. The whole top is cut off so that people can sit on it in lines of benches. And the people sitting in it are police officers, all wearing purple. Batman and Robin are also in the truck, on the truck. They're standing up near the engine, leaning on its wheels and clinging to the top. And with the hands they aren't clinging with, they're waving at us. And I feel like this time it's necessary to read the little blurb to you. So, with this issue, we mark the beginning of a new series of stories in which Batman and Robin meet those living human people who keep a daily vigil to make the United States safe for you and 130,000 others. Were there really only 130,000 people living in the U.S. in the 1940s? Yes, apparently so. There's almost three times that many today. They are the men of our nationwide police force, members of the various branches of service of which we read little. It is to these men that these stories are dedicated. It is only fitting we begin this series with the story of the men of the green trucks, the police emergency squad, the squad whose chief duty is saving lives, the Good Samaritan Cops, as is the title to this comic. So the comic starts out with Bruce Wayne and Dick Grayson in some building. Dick looks out the window and sees one of these green trucks go by. He's like, hey, there's one of those green trucks again. And Bruce right behind him goes, yes, Dick, the emergency squad. They roll only when the regular force is stumped. Then Bruce gets an idea. He snaps his fingers and he says that actually it'd be a good idea for Dick to learn a bit more about the various workings of the police. So they get into Batman and Robin regalia and run off to the police station, where they visit Commissioner Gordon, a good friend of both Bruce Wayne and Batman. He's apparently been informed of why they're there, because he has the sergeant of the emergency police there with him, Sergeant Meade. And that guy has apparently already consented to taking Batman out for the day. He's all, Batman, I'll take you to meet the men on my squad. So they go into a different room with a wanted poster on the wall. $50,000 reward for some bald guy. And Batman meets the first police officer. His name is Bressler. And the first thing he does when he meets Batman is pull out a picture of his kid. Sergeant Meade's like, oh, Batman, I should have warned you he was going to do this. But Bressler's just like, but I thought Batman might want to see her. And Batman's all, I sure would, that's quite a cute kid. Then they go on and meet two other police officers who work on the emergency squad, Brannigan and Flanagan. Oh no. They're arguing. Apparently they're always arguing. This time they're arguing about Brannigan's girlfriend. He's all, Flanagan, stay away from my girl or I'll spread your nose all over your pretty face. 
And then Flanagan says that he's sorry he can't do the same for Brannigan because someone beat him to it. Both your faces are ugly, your noses are huge, and I can't tell you apart from any of the other police officers. Finally, Batman and Robin meet the last guy on this emergency squad, which is apparently only five people, even though they have this enormous truck to take people around in. This guy is a rookie, and his name is Richards. He doesn't really want to work with the emergency police because he thinks they're just a nursemaid squad, and all they do is rescue cats from telephone poles. But Sergeant Mead assures Richard he'll be doing more than that, and that this nursemaid squad will give him more action than he's bargained for. And so we've met all the relevant police officers in the emergency squad, and there's only one thing left to introduce. The car. It's not as good as the Batmobile, obviously, but it does not have a giant creepy bat head on the front, which is a huge plus. Apparently it's so big because they have so much stuff in it. Stuff like baby formula and pulminators and submachine guns even. Why? When do you use those? But there's no time to answer my question because the police are getting an emergency call. All of them dash for the truck and Batman and Robin also dash for the truck because Sergeant Meade is going to take them around and show them what the emergency squad is doing that day. They race through the streets making police noises. Everybody pulls out of their way until they get to this little girl. She tells them that her cat has climbed up a high pole and now the cat can't get down. Wow, this really is just what Richard says it would be. The pole the cat has climbed up is actually an electrical pole, so it's meant to be climbed, and one of the policemen climbs up it and rescues the cat. While he does, Richard laughs at him down on the ground. And Sergeant Meade says that, well, yeah, maybe they are kind of a nursemaid squad right now, but... If they have to be nursemaid to help a little kid whose heart is breaking, they'll do it and like it. The guy gets down with the little girl's cat. He returns it to her and she kisses him on the cheek and keeps thanking him over and over. So I guess that is a good deed. The sergeant says they actually get a lot of calls from little kids who want them to rescue their pets. And Bressler wonders if maybe he should get a pet for his kid. Maybe a dog. Dogs don't climb up light poles. That is a better choice. Also, it was nice of them to save this cat from this light pole, but you're really supposed to call somebody who deals with animals like an animal shelter when your cat gets stuck in a high place. But maybe that's what you did in the 40s, and we're not going to learn because right then, the police get another call about a man stuck in a quagmire. Batman's all, Quagmire? That's as treacherous as quicksand. Yeah, I'm a little surprised they didn't use quicksand, seeing as they had established there was already some around Gotham. But they didn't, and a couple minutes later, the police pull up to this guy who's stuck in the quagmire. He's waving his arms above his head and yelling, Help! Help! The police all get into rubber suits, and then they bring out their 100-foot line and all go to save him. They wait out and manage to toss him the rope, but he's just stuck too far down. They can't pull him out. And then Batman gets an idea. There's a tree right next to where that guy is stuck in the quagmire. And Batman sees it and remembers what he did before. 
to get Nick out of the quicksand the last time he dealt with it in the Brothers-in-Law comic that we read a while ago. So, instead of crawling towards the man, Batman crawls towards the tree. He weighs it down with his body weight again, and soon he's able to put the branch into the hands of the man stuck in the quagmire. The guy holds on, and then Batman jumps off the branch, and it snaps back up, pulling the guy with it with a slurp. Batman, you are lucky that man was able to hang on to that branch, and also that it pulled with enough power to get him out. So now the man is no longer stuck in the quagmire, and Batman also isn't stuck in the quagmire, but the guy does not have the energy to wade through a quagmire to get to shore, so they just stay up in the tree and the police take some measures to get him back to land. First, they take out a gun. Not a bullet gun, though. A rope gun. They shoot the rope gun, and a rope flies out of it and hits the tree that Batman is in with the man. Batman ties the rope around the tree, and then they send him this little pulley seat. He puts the man in the pulley seat, and they pull him back. Like it's a zip line. They might have done the same for Batman, but he just shimmies down the rope with his hands. Maybe you should have waited, though, Batman. Riding on a pulley seems fun. Batman hand over hands back to shore and checks on the guy. He's fine. He's just tired. So they're able to get back into their green truck and drive that guy home. As they do, Batman takes the opportunity to talk to Sergeant Meade, who is not driving. Sergeant Meade thinks Batman's just so cool and competent. He says, Batman, I certainly hope the man who takes my place tomorrow is as capable as you. Batman's like, take your place? You being transferred? Sergeant Meade makes a very angry face and he's like, no, being retired. Age limit. I offered my services to the army and they rejected me too. I'm too old to serve my country. I want to do something, but I guess it's the old fireplace and carpet slippers for me. And Batman's like, something will turn up. Yeah, maybe you could get a job like teaching future police officers. You probably know a lot about being a police guy after being a sergeant for like probably 40 years or so. I couldn't find anything from the 1940s, so I'm going to assume what the comic says is correct. But nowadays, as long as you can pass certain physical and mental tests, you can be a police officer until you die of old age. Batman and Sergeant Meade would probably talk some more, but they get interrupted by another call. They sure are getting a lot of calls today. This one is taking place at a meatpacking plant. Their ammonia pipe burst in the refrigeration area, and the employees are being overcome by ammonia gas. So Batman, Sergeant Meade, and their green trucks speed off to the meatpacking plant, where they find a bunch of people laying on the sidewalk, who are also the same color as the sidewalk. They've disguised themselves, apparently. Sergeant Meade orders everyone to get their gas masks, pulminators, and... For some of them to stay back and take care of the people on the sidewalk. Pulminators are like old-fashioned crappy CPR devices. Inside, everyone's wearing gas masks, including Batman and Robin, and they look really creepy. Not as creepy as when Jerry Robinson draws them, but still creepy. And they go find all the employees who are knocked out on the floor and carry them out. And outside, 
more police officers apply the pulmonators to their faces. I mean, I guess it's good to have some medical devices on you, even if they're not very effective. Who knows if they would have had enough people to actually do CPR on them. Everyone seems to be out, but Batman and Robin go to double check. This time, they run into a different room. The one with the meat hanging from the ceiling. Unclear what type of animal it is, but probably pigs? And when they run in, they don't find a bunch of employees on the ground or nothing. Instead, they find a bunch of thugs in gas masks stealing pig carcasses. The thugs are all Batman and Robin and aim their guns at them. And then Batman punches one of the guys in the face. He's all, I get it, you rats broke that pipe. So it would knock everyone out and you could get the meats for a black market, you swine. Which is a little ironic because he is trying to steal a pig carcass. Batman and Robin beat up the thugs a little more until one of them comes up to creepy gas mask Batman and tries to stab him with an ice pick. But Robin sees and shoves him over. He slides along this big ice block that was here because this is the refrigeration area. All the way into this moving truck where all the meat is already hanging up. Batman's all, okay Robin, let's put them in cold storage for a while. And Robin's all, you mean like 20 years or so? So the thugs are successfully locked up in their truck. I guess they took out the driver too because they don't drive away. And Batman and Robin go back to the police. Everyone seems to be doing okay, except for this one kid. Apparently, all the pulminators are being used, so they can't resuscitate him that way. And Bressler's trying to breathe into his mouth to save it. And we see Bressler in the corner going, huff, huff, huff. Although the actual process is obscured by some guy in a hat. Batman and Robin run over to just watch more closely, I suppose. Apparently, Bristler works for a solid hour trying to resuscitate this kid. That sure is a lot of effort. I think most people would give up at that point. Brain death happens after like two minutes. But eventually, miraculously, this kid comes back to life. His hand twitches and everything. He even wakes up and says some stuff. Take him to the hospital anyway, though. And this is yet more evidence that Batman writers do not know what CPR is because the breaths are actually one of the less important parts of CPR. Over the years, the amount of breaths you're supposed to give the person you're helping has steadily gone down. Within my lifetime, it's been two breaths every 15 compressions, two breaths every 30 compressions, and then just compress and don't give them breaths because most people don't understand how to do that apparently. But it somehow worked on this kid and Bressler is celebrated as a hero. They get back in the truck and he's all, I couldn't let that kid die. He was so young. He reminds me of my own kid who said something cute yesterday. Do you want to hear it, Batman? And Batman's like, Bressler, I'd be glad to listen to anything you have to say about kids. Wow, Batman, just admit that you don't know anything about kids when you're responsible for a nine-year-old, okay. But before Bressler can give this cute saying his kid told him, they get another emergency. A madman is loose on Smith Street and Vine Street. One of the officers all, another homicidal maniac? Let's go. And Batman in the back is all, hey, does this go on all day? 
referring, I believe, to the amount of emergencies they get, not asking if they deal with homicidal maniacs every day. Soon, the police get to the corner of Smith and Vine Street, where they see this homicidal maniac on a seventh-story floor holding a woman over a balcony. We get up to look at him a little closer, and he's completely crazy. His hair is ruffled, his eyes are wild, and he's very happy for some reason. He, he, he says, look at all the people, but if they come too close, I'll throw you off, he, he. Over with the police officers, the two who were fighting before, Brannigan and Flanagan, argue about who's going to get to save the pretty girl. Apparently Flanagan gets to do it. He runs all the way up to the seventh story floor on the stairs until he gets to the room where the homicidal maniac is. But when he breaks in, he just gets shot immediately. The guy's like, fooled you. You didn't know that I had a gun. He, he. Okay, but I think we probably should have assumed that he did. So now they're in an even worse situation. This guy is still totally willing to throw this woman off the balcony, although he doesn't have her restrained quite as well. And the police officer that went up to help her has been shot. Maybe he should have made a better plan than just walking into the room. And that's exactly what Batman's gonna do down on the ground. Flanagan, who's very upset about Flanagan being shot, is all, Get out the tear gas guns, we'll... But then Batman interrupts. He goes, wait, Robin and I have a better plan. You keep that maniac's attention off us. So a few minutes later, Batman and Robin are in the building. Robin has climbed up to the eighth floor balcony. But since the police are taunting the maniac from the ground, he doesn't see Robin as he's dangling the woman out the window. So Robin is free to enact the first part of Batman's plan. He takes one of his silken ropes and ties it around a very convenient flagpole that's just above the homicidal maniac. Then he takes it in one hand and swings towards the homicidal maniac. He grabs the woman out of his hand by her waist and then she is safe. And inside the room, Batman tackles the guy from behind. How did he get in? Surely he must have had to open a door somewhere. I guess he got in while the guy was distracted. But actually, it starts not going so well for Batman when the homicidal maniac grabs him around the neck and starts pushing him out the window. The guy's all, kill, kill, he, he. But apparently this guy isn't that strong, certainly not as strong as Batman. And Batman's able to wiggle his hands free of restraint and punch the guy right in the face. And he's taken out. Meanwhile, all the other police officers have run up to the building, where they go check on Flanagan's corpse. Flanagan's especially upset. He's all, tell me you aren't dead. I loved you like a brother. Speak to me. And then Flanagan just sits up and asks if he can see Brannigan's girlfriend tonight. Okay, I don't know why who gets to date Brannigan's girlfriend is a debate between these two. Clearly she is picked to go out with Brannigan. Unless she's never met Flanagan and he believes she would prefer him, but I don't really see that happening. I don't see how Flanagan thinks she's going to cheat on her significant other just because he wants to date her. Of course, Brannigan does not consent to Flanagan going and having a date with his girlfriend. But before they can start arguing again, Sergeant Meade asks, why wasn't Flanagan hurt? And Flanagan goes, 
that bullet hit my badge. It just knocked the wind out of me, knocked me unconscious. And then they do start arguing again. The police are ready to go back to the truck, but before they even get there, another guy who wasn't upstairs comes to talk to Sergeant Meade. A call just came through. The police have two guns Foley and his mob bottled up, but they can't get him out. So all the police run back down the stairs and head off to battle two guns Foley. These people do a lot in the day. They run up seven flights of stairs. They give CPR for an hour. And now they're going to go capture a mob. That sounds incredibly exhausting. I'm kind of impressed. So after a bit of driving, the police truck pulls up in front of this building where two guns fully and his mob defied the police. The policemen say they have a lot of work to do, but apparently they've practiced for this a lot in the past because they have a strategy down. Mostly, they throw tear gas. But since this is Batman's line of expertise, he and Robin get to go in to beat the guys up. Not wearing gas masks this time, I guess they figured they wouldn't be affected. They also bring Richards, the rookie from the beginning, with them. They climb up some police ladders and get into the room where Two Guns fully is and immediately start beating up his gang. Well, Batman and Robin beat them up. Richards just shoots them. The gang's all, Batman and Robin, and we gotta get out of here. More coppers are coming up the stairs. They start running off to the top floor, but the police are already on the top floor, setting off more tear gas. I bet Batman wishes he had his choking gas now so he could be included in setting off gas. Since the thugs can't go upstairs because of all the tear gas everywhere, they decide they're going to have to fight Batman to get out of here, and that does not work out well for them at all. Batman punches them all no problem until this one guy pulls out a gun. He's like, you ain't stopping me, wise guy. But then Batman is saved, not by Robin, by Richards shooting the guy in the stomach from off panel. Batman's all, thanks, Richards. That was too close for comfort. And here again, we prove that Batman is fine with killing people as long as it's legal. In the corner of this panel, we see Robin has tackled a man to the floor and is punching him in the face. Say, uncle, says Robin. And the guy actually does. He screams out, uncle, uncle. That's the second time in this series that Robin has got someone to literally say uncle. Although I don't know why that's a word of surrender. After that, the whole gang is taken down. And they get to go back to the green police truck. Once they're there, Richard talks to Sergeant Meade. He's all, I'm so sorry, Sergeant Meade. I called you a nursemaid squad, and you're clearly not. And Sergeant Meade is all, you changed your mind? I kind of thought you would. You're a good kid, and a good cop. He's been working for one day. You can't possibly know that. All the police get into their green truck again, and this time, instead of driving around waiting for a call, they go back to talk to Commissioner Gordon. He's got some news for Sergeant Meade. Apparently, Commissioner Gordon is going to defer his retirement for the duration. The duration of what? Probably the war, because Commissioner Gordon mentions that the young men are all going into service, so they can't afford to lose a good cop like Sergeant Meade right now. He's all, gosh, sir, I'm glad I could help. 
And now Batman and Robin consider the day over. They're going to go home. But before they do, they stop by the green truck to say goodbye to all the police officers they'd worked with today. They've just started when the green truck gets another call. There's been an explosion at Decker Ironworks and some men are trapped into the wreckage. Sergeant Meade directs all these men back into the car and they head out. God, these men constantly work. Somebody needs to get a second shift and like a third shift for them. As the emergency truck rolls away, Batman and Robin take the opportunity to say goodbye. They wave and Robin goes. Well, there they go again. They never stop. And Batman's all, yep, they're a great bunch, Robin. A great bunch. The end.